Yes, it's me, Mark Stone, and this is the Backseat Driver Podcast. I'd like to welcome to today's Backseat Driver radio show, Martin Lawrence, a man who, shall we say, isn't fond of Lotus, he's fanatical about Lotus. When I pulled into his driveway, there was the most glorious Lotusy lance up there, but the one thing I soon discovered, it is not just a Lotus Elan. Martin, welcome to the Backseat Driver Radio Show. Thank you very much. How did you get into Lotus? Because, I mean, I mean, we, you'll have heard all the jokes. Loads of trouble, usually serious. Collect his car, drive five miles, get out, walk back down the road and collect all the bits that's dropped off it. <laughs> well, I strongly disagree there. <laughs> um, Lotus, back in the, in, in the bad old days, did have that reputation, I'll agree with you. Uh, but now they've really upped the game and things have changed. But after saying that, although I do have a modern Lotus, I much prefer the old cars. Yeah. Um, um, and the Lotus Alans especially I particularly love I've gone through many of them over the years in various states of rebuild of beautiful cars <coughs> excuse me I mean they are um, they are what I would call it's like it's like the MGB in many ways they're a quintessential British sports car the looks of them the lines of them they, they look like a, a British sports car should look yeah, I agree, and Lotus is one of those names that everybody's heard of in this yeah. country, but not everybody's familiar with the cars, because there were so few of them built originally, yeah. they were quite specialised. Um, but back to your original question, how I got into Lotus, uh, my father uh, used to be a marine engineer, and... Uh, when he was at home, he used to rebuild old MGs. Yeah. So my love was originally with MGs, yeah. old uh, TCs and TF models. Yeah. Uh, you know the old type with the cycle wings down the side yeah. and things, which were great. Um, and my involvement was: can you get under that dashboard and get your little hand in and reach that for me? <laughs> so, so I was brought up rebuilding old cars. Yeah. Um, at the time, those MGs were probably not that old, <laughs> but it seems a long time ago now. Um, and then as I grew up and uh, I sort of drifted away from, from home and developed my own career and interests and then families come along, uh, I wasn't involved with the cars quite so much. Uh, but then um, quite out of the blue, um, over a short period of time, Dad took very ill and we lost him. Uh, he left me a little bit of cash and I always thought, what can I do with this that Dad would approve of? Mm-hmm. And I thought, I know, I'm, I'm, I've got a bit more time on my hands now. Uh, kids are grown up a bit. Um, why don't I buy a car that I can rebuild and just play with like, yeah. like we used to do with Dad? And I thought that was a good investment for the money. Uh, fortunately, I had the approval of my wife, <laughs> and, which always helps. Um, so I started looking around and I obviously trolled the adverts, uh, eBay, etc., and I came across this Lotus Elan Plus 2, and it was the other end of the country. It was down at Poole in Dorset on the south coast. And anyway, I, I contacted the guy and said, look, you're saying the advert, it hasn't got an MOT, it's been off the road some time. Uh, just be honest and tell me, you know, what state this car's in. So he gave me the rundown on it, and it turned out it, uh, he had a small film company and it had been bought in as a prop. Yeah. And they were relocating the business to uh, the south of France, so they were selling off all the props, and he had a warehouse full of cars. He had <laughs> white Rolls Royces and E-Type Jags and all sorts that had been used in pop videos. 
windows yeah. and things. And uh, this one car had been used for a, a split couple of seconds in a Duran Duran video at some yeah. point. <laughs> and he said, really, he said, I don't know anything about it. Other than I know it starts in a drive. Yeah. We'll put a new battery on it and it works. And I said, well, do us a favour. Why don't you, can you run it down to your local MOT station and see, see you know, what he comes up with? Yeah. And he rang me back that afternoon and he said, Surprise, surprise, it's passed its test. <laughs> and I, I said, well, do me a favour, because this was on eBay, it was yeah. on an auction. I said, don't alter your advert and let me bid on it, knowing yeah. that it's now got an MOT. And the guy was very accommodating. He says, look, he says, I really don't care, as long as it sells, we've yeah. just got to get rid of it. So I put in what I thought was a reasonable bid, and I, I won it in the end. Um, so I jumped on the train, went down to pool. Uh, I said, do you think it'll drive back? He says, I have no idea, but you want me to try it. So I took a risk, and I drove it back yeah and i got within sort of 20 miles of home and the alternator failed yeah <laughs> <laughs> and in the dark and the lights were going down but i got it home uh had a great drive back and that was the start of my interest in lotus yeah so from there i rebuilt that car over a number of years um it's engine rebuilds the normal and all the weak points on the alarm well, so I, I just have a bit what engine was in that car that was the 1558 lotus twin cam engine yeah uh, which was uh, was one of the later engines which had the the big valve head and the 130 brake horse and twin twin 40 webers on it nice engine uh in its day yeah. unfortunately you know the, the cylinder heads were never brilliant castings even when they were new and you get yeah. problems with them but even so when a, when a twin cam is running nicely it really is a nice engine yeah. and they're one of those leg- legendary yeah. engines that everybody wanted to race you know even Jim Clark and that yeah. raced the Lotus Cortinas with that engine yeah. um, well, it's, it's something like you see anything that's got Lotus twin cam down the side of it, even if it's not in a Lotus there's something evocative about those engines isn't there? there is but I think that's where they're, they're saying lots of trouble usually serious <laughs> comes from um, we, we now try and correct people and say it's actually lots of talk usually <laughs> sideways <laughs> but hey I'll, I'll let people decide on that one themselves um, so that was the start of it really for me with Lotus and from there uh, after rebuilding that one and having a, a lot of interest in making a lot of friends along the way mm-hmm. and meeting a lot of like-minded people and getting involved in uh, Nylock, which is the North, York, North Yorkshire Lotus Owners Club. Yeah. Great bunch of guys. Uh, went Nothing to there. do with a nut. So I've been right through the range of Lotuses. I think I'm on about number 35 now. Yeah. Because um, it, started, it, it started off a bit of a craze, didn't it? You, you felt an urge to own a lot of them. I did, yes. <laughs> and I did start collecting them at one point. And, uh, <laughs> and the little bit of money that Dad left me didn't go very far. <laughs> um, and yeah, and then you start getting into Lotus Esprits and V8 Esprits. And they're just, uh, they're a money pit. Yeah. Uh, to keep them maintained and running properly. Um, and I do nearly all the maintenance myself, the rebuilding of engines and gearboxes is not a problem to me. Dad taught me very well when I was yeah. a youngster. The only thing I won't do is paint work myself. Yeah. Uh, but I have found I'm getting quite good with repairing fiberglass on Lotuses, <laughs> uh, which is good because my welding's not up to much. <laughs> so you've gone from the classic through to the latest cars. I mean, we'll get back to this famous Elan of yours. Okay. Later on, but you've been through all the job, lot of them. Which of them? Which of which do you prefer, the old ones or the new ones, or which ones stand out from each era of Lotus that you've owned? 
Okay, um, I do have a soft spot for the older lands, mm. and I think probably because the Elan Plus Two was my first venture into Lotus, it yeah. sort of stuck with me as as a love affair, really. Mm. And although I don't actually own a Plus Two at the minute, I've got the uh, the little Elan, uh, often referred to as the baby Elan, and purists yeah. tell you off for doing that, <laughs> but hey, um, it's it's not very original as you've already seen, so we'll, we'll talk about that. Yeah. Um, but. I've also experimented and, and played with things like the, the Lotus Esprits. Mm. Um, I love the Lotus Esprits. I prefer the four cylinders to the So I was going to say, just there's the big debate about the four cylinders and the turbos and everything else for the Esprit. Which is, which is the Esprit, in your opinion, that you need to own? Oh, I think without a doubt the S4S yeah. is, uh, or a Sport 300, but a Sport 300 is about as you know rare as hen's teeth. Yeah. Uh, but the S4S is pretty much the same spec, uh, much nicer interior, nicely finished, um, very livable with uh, the four-cylinder engines by that, that point in development, very, very reliable, very strong engine, yeah. developing about 300 brake horsepower and a light car I mean they really were the supercar of the day yeah uh, the V8 engines uh, which was a Lotus uh, developed own engine uh, was a lovely engine um, but it was fragile yeah. and uh, I felt whenever I was driving a V8 it was like driving a 1970s Ferrari it was great when it worked but you're just expecting something to go wrong <laughs> <laughs> um, but as I did have a lot of fun with the V8s but I didn't have a lot of fun with the maintenance that are required yeah um, I've now moved on to the Modern cars, so the uh, Elisas and the Exeges. I've had a few Exeges. Um, I've had a couple of 260 Cups, which are very specialist cars, uh, brilliant track day cars. Um, I now have uh, a modern Exege Sport 380, which is slightly modified, so it gives a little bit more, uh, which I think is the sweet spot in the current range of the uh, the Exeges. But yeah. there'll be people out there that want to argue with me, which is fine. <laughs> You're entitled to your own opinion. Um, so yeah, I've been right through it and uh, I was lucky enough uh, to be invited to uh, one of the launches of the new Lotus Avija yeah. electric car, um, which I think is a bit of a Marmite car. To love it, I hate it. I am not a fan of electric vehicles and I don't, you know, I'm yet to be convinced that they're uh, a really practical route to go down. Uh, but I've got to say the design of the car is absolutely incredible. It is out of the world. It's, it's like a Batmobile on steroids. <laughs> I mean, I'm quite honest, I've only seen photographs of them, and you are talking to, shall we say, an electric car sceptic. I think they have their place, but um, they, I, a few weeks ago I had uh, the guy who owns Sync EV, which is one of the big, they make the, the smallest electric car charger you can buy, and this guy will turn around and tell you, electric cars are six years away from being where they need to be. So, don't get me on this topic. But <laughs> don't start me. Don't either. start you either. <laughs> the infrastructure's not there to support them. Um, I think with the modern Lotus, like the Elise and the Exige, etc., I think that brought Lotus <clears throat> into, shall we say, into the minds of people, and they were available. Whereas the the old the older Lotus, like the Elans and things. They are something of a rarefied car. Is it, what do you think about the modern Lotus? Has it, shall we say, expanded the appeal of the brand and of Lotus cars? 
Yes, I believe it has. Without any shadow of a doubt, the um, Elise, when it was first introduced, was a revolutionary car that came onto the market. Um, not a lot of power, originally about 118 brake horsepower in a very lightweight car, but it handled like a go-kart. The build quality was so superior to what the earlier cars had been. Um, the finish was good, um, the motoring press loved it, uh, and they pushed it, and the public really took to the car. Yeah. Um, so that was the start of the real uh, modern uh, Lotus, as I see it, and then the Elise has developed through a few different stages mm-hmm. now. In every stage, has its fans uh, and you know the more modern ones are not liked by the guys that like the early Mark ones <laughs> and this sort. Of, and there's a constant debate but you know that's up to people to make their own mind up uh, but personally I think the development of the car uh, through what I would like to call the modern age of Lotus has been quite spectacular yeah. and the development in power outputs and the performance, but the out-and-out handling of the cars and usability of the cars, apart from the obvious climbing in and out of modern releases, <laughs> isn't, it, isn't so easy for some people. Uh, and certainly ladies don't try and get in and out wearing a short skirt. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the, uh, as an actual day-to-day usable car um, with phenomenal performance and handling, um, which you know outperform... Uh, cars much much more expensive exotic yeah. Italian stuff and German stuff that we won't talk about <laughs> um, you know you can knock spots off them uh, for less than half the price yeah. of what you would pay for a German vehicle um, the the other thing that brought uh, Lotus to the, uh, the forefront of people's minds was the uh, James Bond using them. Yeah. Every every schoolboy knows about the underwater uh, esprit, the, yes. <laughs> the white esprit that turned into a submarine, and that brought the name to a lot of people's uh, yeah. attention. I think. Um, and so you know the, the Esprit's developed through various stages and got better and better as they went on. In my opinion, uh, much more reliable build quality became much much better. Um, and to come back to modern cars now, I think Lotus a few years ago were going through a bit of a bad patch financially, uh, design wise. They had some great ideas, but they didn't have the money to put them into production. Um, Lotus has now been taken over by Geely, uh, which you know is a Chinese yeah. uh, company, but they own Volvo and various mm. other uh, big manufacturers. And Geely seem to have uh, really taken Lotus to heart, and they're throwing money at it for, to develop. They're developing new factories. Mm. Uh, the Lotus engineering side has taken off in a big, big way with the backing. Um, they're creating a lot of employment, which has got to be good in these yeah. days. Uh, especially in the motor industry, the way it's gone this last year with uh, COVID hitting sales, etc. Uh, I suppose it's a bit of a catch-22. Uh, what, whatever your views are, they blame the Chinese for well. for, for, for <laughs> the current plague. But the Chinese, like with Geely, with Lotus, are doing great things and bringing employment and things like that. I, th- I think it's great what they're doing. Uh, and yes, I don't want to see uh, Lotus has been built uh, using you know Volvo parts bins. Yeah. Um, but I, th- I think from what I can understand and what I learn from people on the inside and in the know, uh, Lotus are very, very much uh, being allowed to do 
develop their own way uh, with the backing of Gear. Yeah. So hopefully, like the Avija coming out now, um, they are committed to going down electric and hybrid route. Uh, be very interesting to see what comes out next. We know there's a new vehicle coming out possibly next year, uh, which is going to slot into the range somewhere between Exige and Evora. Yeah. Um, I haven't seen any uh, previews of that as yet, but that's going to be very exciting. Um, I, as I understand, it's still going to be uh, a petrol-engined car, yeah. uh, but whether we get an electric alternative to go with it or a hybrid version mm-hmm. remains to be seen. I'd love to see a hybrid version and see yeah. what they can do with that. I think hybrids are all right, personally. Mm. I mean, but the one thing is, Mike, you mentioned the original Little Elite. If you look back at the uh, the Lotus 7, the Super 7, mm-hmm. it should be called... Um, the Elans, you take it through to the Elites, and you were talking about uh, the Esprit, which is the best one. It's the four-cylinder. The all-embody Colin Chapman's ethos of make them incredibly light, and you don't need to put a huge engine in them. Tune up a small engine to give you power. Put it in an ultra-lightweight car, and you will show... The big V8s, the big heavy muscle cars, the Italian cars, you'll show them how it should be done. And that seems to be the thing that has always run through Lotus. Oh, I agree. Lotus is still sticking to Colin Chapman's original uh, ideas uh, of add lightness yeah. to improve performance. I know his only problem was if it does if it if, if it does seventy one laps and it's only a seventy lap race, you've done something wrong. You've made it too good. <laughs> well, this this goes back to our discussion about the development of the uh, the build quality, etc. Yeah, um, they are still determined to have lightweight cars. Um, my current Exige. Uh, 380 there half of it's carbon fibre to keep yeah. the weight down <coughs> excuse me which is incredibly strong but the, downside, incredibly the, the downside is though then somebody like you and me get into and completely ruin the lightweight ethos don't we <laughs> well 14 and a half stone sitting does yeah um <laughs> I mean, it would have the same effect if I lost three stone and <laughs> all this carbon fibre, I suppose. <laughs> but yeah, as I said, the lightweight, and the, but the one thing about Lotus has always been known is the handling. The one thing they can build into a car is the handling of them. And it seems to be, it's, it's run throughout the entire production life of Lotus. No matter where they've put the engine, whether it's up front, mid-mount, wherever they put it, Lotus cars handle. They are probably the best engineers in the world at making a car handle. And this is why Lotus Engineering um, have been so busy over the years developing things for, for other car manufacturers. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's commonly known within the Lotus world, but outside of that, uh, other car people probably don't realise a lot of production cars out there, the handling has been developed by Lotus for. Yeah. Um, so, Which, so when you build a car, you send it to Lotus. So we make that go around corners. Uh, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and Lotus probably said, "Well, can we lose a couple of hundred kilo off this yeah. car first, and then we can take it?" But, um, but yeah, all Lotus models, um, everything handles well. The original uh, Lotus Elite with the Climax engine, etc. Yes, Lovely. I mean, Be- stunning little car. You can you can see where the land came from. Yes, from that, can't you? beautiful little car. Um, Highly uh, original in its design at the time, uh, very forward-thinking, uh, lightweight components, lightweight engine, little, little country climax yeah. aluminium engine that was a fire pump originally. Yeah. Um, <coughs> 
and but that car was a beautiful little car it was very lightweight but the thing that caught the motoring press originally was the handling of it yeah. it was very very nimble uh, and it went on to be very successful in racing uh, in the hands of you know people like Jim Clark and uh, other I, must mention, races in, I, I must mention I must mention she's <laughs> waiting for this I must mention Innis Island because my friend Christian Ireland will be listening and of course we were saying before we started on there Innis Island's you cannot not talk about lots without mentioning the You can't, I agree. Um, fantastic driver back in his day, uh, did all sorts of wonderful things with cars yeah. that, that you and I can only dream of being allowed to do these days. Um, but uh, I never met the guy, but I do understand he was a very, very nice guy as well. Yes. Um, and from people that knew him or did know him and, and met him. So it's, it's nice to know that he, he was one of the characters of racing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, from what I've been told, oh, yeah. one day, one day, one day, we must arrange for you to meet Christian. But I mean, you, you talk about that, the elite. I mean, the, the little, uh, the, the Lotus Elevens and things like that. These ultra light little aluminium skinned cars, yeah, really? all developed for racing. Yeah, um, in, right. a, in a garage around the back of a pub. <laughs> well, and the drawings for them were done on the back of a beer mat in yeah. the pub. <laughs> <laughs> but it worked. Yeah, it worked. And they had, you know, in the early days, they had absolutely fantastic success, uh, starting with the clubman's racing, um, and cars that people could buy in kit form, throw Mm. together themselves in a weekend and go out racing the next weekend. Um, You know, the daft thing was, because if you supplied a how-to-put-it-together manual, it wasn't classed as a do-it-yourself car. So they wrote the they, they wrote the manual back to front, and it was how you took it in bits. You okay. just read the manual the wrong way. <laughs> That's the first time I've ever heard that, but I can believe it. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, the Lotus Elevens and things are very successful races, and they, they went on to uh, do all the big races mm. with big names driving, like in this island and uh, other people. Um, very successful, and then of course that led to Lotus going into Formula One. Yeah, and poof. Where do you start with that? Yeah. I mean, so innovative um, and completely turned Formula One upside down uh, from design. Um, you know, the first cars to use the engines as, as part of the, the chassis and framework yeah. of the vehicle. Um, the suspension was totally radical compared to what everybody else was using. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as you say, you know, they could just drive away from everybody else in the yeah. early days, and it took them a while to other. Uh, developers to, to catch up and designers to realise uh, what Lotus were doing uh, and they had a fantastic career and all the big names drove for Lotus uh, so many world championships under the belt over yeah. the years um, I mean the ultimates have got to be the one Lotus that most people remember the famous John Player specials the big, the, the black and gold ones with Andretti sat in it and everything else, I mean they just killed everybody off didn't oh, they? They, did. They, did. They, were, they, were, they were just so ahead of the time yeah. and so forward thinking and this was at the time when Colin Chapman was probably at the, the peak of his yeah. designing prowess and uh, just thought differently to every other designer yeah. and, and could if, if a problem occurred he worked around it uh, but probably on a different plane to what another engineer would have done he, he saw things differently yeah uh, and well, in the case of well that's not right well the engineer somebody would say well it needs a bracket fitting no it doesn't no. there's a way of doing it different so we save the weight of yeah. the bracket 
exactly, and that's that's how they went. And you know, the, the rest is history. Look at all yeah. the, look at the history books for Formula One racing and Lotus, 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 Lotus. Yeah. And if they're not the first, the second or third, yeah. And I, I I really think it's such a shame that they're not involved now. And I would like to think that maybe one day we'll see another Lotus racing team. Yeah, um, it would be nice, wouldn't it? It would. Now we have to talk about that rather nice yellow and whitey lamb that's sat outside. As I said, when I drove up your driveway, it sat there and you think, that's a really nice old lotus lamb. Well, the one thing I very quickly discovered, talking to Martin as he showed me around, it might look like a beautiful old lotus lamb. And that's where it begins and ends, isn't it? Especially when you take the bonnet off. Yeah, it's... Uh... Because apparently you were saying it was a car that was a myth. Nobody thought this car existed until you found it and put it together. <laughs> um Lotus Alain purists might want to switch off now uh, because they're not going to enjoy what I say. Uh, other people will, uh, but it, it is what it is. Uh, as you say, this car was a myth in the Lotus communities in the in the car. Just very really quickly, what year is it technically? It's 1967. Right. Um, uh, Lotus Alain drophead. Um, Originally, that would have made it a Series 3, I think. Yeah. Um, and people used to talk about this car, and they would say, oh, so-and-so has this Elan, and they're, they're doing a full spider engineering conversion, which is a space frame chassis, and making it suitable to put a five-speed gearbox in and, and a different engine. You could put a Ford Z-Tech engine in or something else other than the twin cams. Um, and Anyway, we heard about this car, and then somebody would say, oh, so-and-so sold that car. They never got round to finishing it. But nobody ever saw the car um, but but there was all these rumours about it. Anyway I got a phone call one day because at the time I'd been buying and selling a couple of little lands uh, and plus twos and doing a bit of restoration work and uh, re-engineering things and I got this call to say this car was for sale and the guy that had it, it was somewhere just outside of Liverpool um, and he'd lost interest in it uh, so I made a few phone calls and I thought well I'll I'll go and have a look at this car and see what it is. And uh, it's exactly what I'd been told, really. It was in bits. Uh, There was a a shell um, that had been painted nicely uh, with not an awful lot on it. It was sitting on a chassis on some wheels, uh, so you could roll it about, but that was about it. Um, It did have an engine sat in, but nothing else was connected up. Uh, It was impossible to see it running. It didn't have a windscreen in it. and uh, Yeah, boxes of bits. (laughs) And anyway, I've, but I, I looked at it and I thought, I can see the potential in this. This is a, uh, the bodywork is good. It's been painted nicely. It has a brand new chassis. There's a new engine there with it. And this, and I thought, well, yeah, I can take the time and put this together. Uh, it was a lovely new set of shiny alloy wheels and brand new tyres. <laughs> anyway, we did a deal, and I probably paid a bit more for it than I should have done. But that's what we do, isn't it? When yep. you see something you like. Um, Especially if the guy selling it realises that he wants it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we got it home and started work on. And uh, basically, uh, for anybody that is into a lands, they will have heard of Spider Engineering in Peterborough, who specialise in aftermarket parts for a lands. They start by making new chassis, and then they've developed from there uh, to rebuilding the cars themselves. And poss- they can probably supply you anything that you need to build in the land from scratch these yeah. days. Uh, lovely people to deal with, uh, really know what they're talking about. So I spoke to them, a guy called uh, Andy, uh, the chief engineer there, 
very helpful, told him what I had, and he says, oh, yeah, yeah, I know the, the guy. He said, uh, we've sold him so many bits. Um, <laughs> and with a little bit of help from Andy, we got this car put back together. Um, the car did go to Andy for to do a little bit of work on set up uh, uh, the engine, etc. for me, because the engine that was in it uh, was a modern Ford ZTEC 1.8 engine, which people are probably more familiar with being in Ford Fiestas and yep. things like that. Um, but it, it had throttle bodies, uh, an emerald ECU, and I'm probably going to start talking technical for a lot of people, <laughs> but um, it, the, the whole thing just needed putting together and setting up, which over a period of a year or so, I did. Yeah. Um, we got it uh, MOT'd, um, and then I came to uh, road tax it, which uh, because of its age was going to be free road tax, a uh, historic vehicle. Uh, I went online to, to do this, put the registration in and uh, they wouldn't accept that. Uh, so I put the chassis number, etc. and went through the whole process. And it came up that I owed them over £2,000 in back road tax. <laughs> and, um, it, it, a few inquiries later and after a few panics of shutting the computer down, thinking, oh, oh dear. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the vehicle had never been declared sawn. All right. Um, and the computer system uh, decided that it wanted to charge all the back road tax yeah. for this vehicle for the 20 years it had been off the road, <laughs> uh, which was a bit of a shock. Anyway, a few phone calls with DVLA, etc., sorted it out and yeah. it allowed it to keep the original registration number. And they were happy that it was the vehicle was going back on the road and it now had an MOT. Yeah. Um, and lo and behold, suddenly the £2,000 was dropped and I could have this historic <laughs> tax, which was a you know, a heartbeat away from the panic. But anyway, the, the car now sits... Uh, I've, I rapidly discovered that the 1.8 engine, although we had it set up, it was producing about 170 brake. I realised the chassis setup could handle a lot more power and I intended to use it on track. Um, so I looked into tuning that engine um, and I found that everybody I spoke to pointed me in one direction and they said, uh, this is going to be a big plug for somebody here. Um, they, they all pointed me towards Dunnell Engineering, uh, who specialise in ZTEC engines and they build the race engines and rally car engines and things. Anyway, I went to see Paul Dunnell and he looked at the engine I had in the car and he said, nah, scrap it. He said, uh, <laughs> come, on, come and have a look in here. So he, he, he took me round their, uh, their workshop and showed me the engines that they were building and what they were doing, showed me on the computer the different power outputs and what they could actually produce, and sold me on the idea of one of his engines. We decided on a spec, because I wanted it for road use and the odd track day, I wanted fast road use, we decided on an engine that was going to produce about 225 brake uh, with about £200 of torque. Yeah. Uh, sounded about right for me. Um, he rang me about six weeks later and said, your engine's ready, Martin. He said, uh, but I've had it on the dyno. It's not quite the power output that we wanted. He said, uh, we've been a bit enthusiastic, I think, with some of the cylinder head work, and it's actually producing 242 brake. <laughs> <laughs> he said, but I won't charge you for the extra. It's very kind of you. So, um, again, with a little bit of help from uh, Spider Engineer and, and how to change the engine and fit it all in, we got that back together. Um, 
and together with the rest of the car which as you say looks like a lovely Elan on the outside but start looking inside under the bonnet and you'll see this nice E-Tech engine on throttle bodies um, we've got a big alloy radiator in there to keep it cool etc uh, move into the interior and the old Elan seats have gone and we've got nice uh, bucket seats in there nice and comfortable for track and long distance the dashboard the original dashboard was lovely with the Smiths instruments, but they've long gone. And it's got, yeah. a, it's got a, a nice, uh, still has a wooden dashboard in, but it's a homemade one with a set of instruments that came out of a smashed up Caterham 7. Right. Um, <laughs> but they work, yeah. and that's good. Uh, we have a nice roll cage in there just in case things go wrong. Um, underneath, running gear wise, we're running a full Spider space frame chassis with their uh, suspension development on it, um, which takes away the rear. Chapman struts that people are used to uh, and replaces those uh, with your coilovers, etc. And the brakes have been uh, highly upgraded. We use uh, Willwood four pot calipers uh, on the front. We've got um, Ford Fiesta uh, rear calipers with inbuilt handbrake, with it now with outboard discs rather than inboard discs, all vented and grooved discs, uh, um, running track day pads. The, the braking is, is rather spectacular compared yeah. <laughs> to the original uh, but it's in keeping with the performance we get from 240 yeah. brake um, it's very quick off the mark it's very easy to drive I'm running a, a 5 speed box so uh, an old Ford MT75 box um, through a, a limited slip diff in the back that originally started life in a Ford Granada Scorpio uh, with modified drive shafts um, which you know uh, works very very well uh, the downside of the car is it's about as aerodynamic as a half brick yeah. um, you get up to 100 mile an hour and you know you're doing 100 mile an hour um, the car is it's steady as a rock on the roads um, but you, you know you, you start skipping around a little yeah. bit it starts getting a bit worrying um, the engine itself is happy to rev to you know eight thousand plus. Uh, the power starts dropping off at just under eight thousand, um, but it's a good strong engine. Uh, on track, you would want to keep it up there between six and eight thousand. On the road, it's quite happy to put around at fifteen hundred, two thousand yeah. revs around town. It's, tra- it's tractable and usable. Um, but the interesting thing is, when you showed me under the bonnet of the car, the engine that's in there. Looks like it should be in there. It's not one of these, like you so you said, we've put this engine in this car and you open the bonnet and you think, well, yeah, you can tell that engine wasn't meant to be in there at all. That ZTEC in that Elan looks like it should be in there. The fact that the fuel tank has moved from a, the floor of the boot to behind the seats, everything that's been done to that car looks like it should have been done to that. It looks like positively Lotus could have built the thing. Well, I, I would like to think, and I'll, I do see the people regularly, that Colin Chapman's idea was continual development of yeah. vehicles. And I think he would approve of the changes that have been made to that car because it was all about improving the performance. Yeah. Um, the, as your comment about the engine looking as if it belongs there, 
um, I think is down to uh, Spider Engineering's yeah. development of their chassis and making the uh, the ZTEC engine fit in there. Yeah. Um, and the fact that we have properly made exhaust manifolds, we have properly made uh, inlet manifolds to fit the engine bay, etc., uh, makes it look all the better for it. Yeah. Uh, and it is a neat fit in there, but you can get everything you need to. Yeah, to, there's to actually work plenty on. of space. It's yeah. not one of these you open the bonnet and, well, yeah, I hope nothing goes wrong in there because nobody can get in. Well, the, the, the original twin cam engine that would have lived in there, the 1558 engine, was is probably not much different dimension wise yeah. to the modern ZTEC engine. Um, so, and with them both being based on Ford engines, the original Lotus twin cam was the you know the pre-cross flow yeah. and bottom end with Lotus's own cylinder head on. Um, even the engine mounting still mount up because they haven't changed the position of the mountings <laughs> at all. So, so it's, it's a fairly straightforward fit yeah. to put it in, and it is possible to actually fit a ZTEC engine into uh, what I would call a standard original Elan. Yeah. with very little modifications other than to the front cross member and on the chassis which uh, to most DIY people it's a fairly easy yeah. uh, alteration so you can drop it if, if, you, if your twin cam engine has uh, seen better days um, and they are now very very expensive to rebuild and replace the components in the cylinder heads mm-hmm. and things um, you can drop a ZTEC engine in, in a weekend yeah. uh, and, and put it on the Webers with the right manifold, mate it to your, your gearbox without any problem, or drop yeah. a five speed gearbox in. Um, and to most lots of landowners, they're quite used to having to haul engines out and things. So, <laughs> so it's, it's something that can be done. I mean, the interesting thing is when you look at the car, <clears throat> it looks like a standard Elan, it even sits right. Yeah. So what you've done to it, or what <clears throat> with other companies have been done to it, they haven't altered the physical look of the car. It hasn't been like mod sport or anything like that, where if you squint, it still looks. Like, this car looks purely original. Um, I have tried very hard to maintain the original look as much as possible. So from the outside, certainly. From a distance, nobody would know it was anything other than a, a Lotus Elan. Yeah. It's only when you get closer and people that are in the know can start spotting the differences. Yeah. <clears throat> the obvious one being the original Elan sat on 13-inch wheels with skinny little 145 tyres. Yes. Uh, mine now sits on uh, alloys, 14-inch, with 18560 tyres yeah. on it. Um, so, But they're all things that I think Colin Chapman would have approved of because they're all adding to the performance of the vehicle yeah. and reliability. Um, so... Hopefully, people people will approve of it, and I get very positive results. Apart from you get the odd old guy that'll come past and say, "Oh, it shouldn't be like that," you know. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll say, "Well, I had a very good example. I was at a car show, which I do. I don't do a lot of car shows, but it was uh, the Lotus Club uh, uh, had a stand, and I had a guy come past, and he walked around the car and round and said." Oh, that shouldn't be like that. And, oh, that that shouldn't. Oh no, and shaking his head as they do. And uh, in the end, I said to him, "You know, well, it's my car. What's mm. what, what problem do you have with it?" Well, it's not like it should be. Should it? I said, "Well, I tell you what. You give me a big handful of money." the car's yours and you can put it back the way you want it (laughs) (laughs) and the guy sort of looked at me nodded his head and said yeah see what you mean and off he wandered (laughs) but um, to purists it isn't a Lotus Elan and I get that 
and I love a, a pure load salon as it was intended, as it came from the factory. Um, I had a lovely, lovely fixed head uh, Elan Sprint some years ago, which drove beautifully and handled beautifully and it was exactly as the factory had sent it out Um, and I couldn't knock the car at all Um, it's just nowhere near as fast and as much fun (laughs) as the one I've got now (laughs) now we haven't got much time left but have you ever anything anything to do with the land that became the Kia no (laughs) (laughs) simple (laughs) any particular reason or have you no interest in having anything to do with the land that became the Kia um, it's better known as the Elan M100, yeah, um, which was developed uh, with a front-wheel drive uh, configuration. I personally have nothing against it. I think it's a lovely-looking car. It was a, 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 a period in Lotus history that uh, kept them afloat. Mm. I think if it hadn't been for them uh, building that Elan M100, Lotus would have gone under financially. Um, the car was a huge success in that it was uh, easy to drive, it was reliable, uh, there's still an awful lot of them uh, on the road being used with very, very high mileages on, uh, thanks to that wonderful engine they've got. Yeah. Um, the, the handle like a go-kart, uh, they're comfortable, it's just not a car that's ever really floated my boat. Yeah. Um, this one of my neighbours just down the road has a beautiful, beautiful example that sits in his garage and rarely gets used. And he keeps saying to me, "Do you not fancy this one, Martin, for your collection?" <coughs> At the, m- I have resisted, but you know, if he drops his price enough, I could be tempted. It could be tempted. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, nothing wrong with the car, uh, but it's seen by some people as a bit of an outsider in the Lotus range yeah. for some reason. Uh, but personally, uh, I think it was possibly the saviour of Lotus. Well, so I'm, I'm glad you brought that car up. <laughs> Martin Lawrence, it's been a pleasure chatting to you. We're going to now go back outside and have a look at this absolutely stunning Elan. But thanks very much, Martin, for joining me on the Backseat Driver Radio Show. You're very welcome. And thank you for your time. No um, but I will let you have a ride in the car, I think, and I'll take you up the road and frighten the life out of you now. <laughs> <laughs>